everyone. Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for Football Outsiders, part of the Edge Sports family. I hope everyone enjoyed their Thanksgiving. It's now the Tuesday entering the week 14 of games, and that's the start of the mini formats fantasy football playoffs. So we're back to a normal waiver wire episode, and I'm going to sprinkle in some advice related to some of the fantasy playoff matchups and maybe help you out in some of those leagues as well. I'll be giving you my favorite pickups for both shallow and deep leagues, and if you're interested um, in some fab league information, check out my article on footballoutsiders.com. For now, let's jump back to the trio of Thanksgiving games, starting with the Bears and Lions. For the Bears, Mitchell Trubisky had a really nice day, completing 29 of 38 passes for 338 yards and three touchdowns, and he's now thrown three touchdowns in a game three times this season, so he's probably staved off the calls for him to get benched, at least for the time being. But I'll point out that those three touchdown games have come against one against the Redskins and two against the Lions. The Redskins increased passing touchdowns per attempt by 24%, and the Lions increased passing touchdowns per attempt by 21%. So I think that was pretty much entirely related to the matchup. In Trubisky's other eight games this season, he has just four total passing touchdowns. So I would say leave Trubisky on your wires, even in your deeper formats. You're only going to want to start him in those extreme cases where it's sort of a streaming choice. That said, I think you can safely start Anthony Miller in your deeper formats. He caught nine passes for 140 yards on Sun, uh, last Thursday, um, and that came on 13 targets, which led the team and was seven more than Javon Wims in third place among the receivers. Miller actually has 33 targets over the last three weeks, and he's really stepped up as a fantasy option with Taylor Gabriel out of the lineup. Now, Gabriel has actually suffered two concussions this season, and he remains in the, con- the concussion protocol for that. Given the uh, previous examples of players like this, like Sterling Shepard, I think it's pretty likely that Gabriel's going to miss multiple more weeks and maybe even the rest of the season. So I would say go ahead and pick up Miller and feel free to start him in your deeper formats. Now for the Lions, David Blau came in um, at quarterback here as sort of an emergency starter. Did fine, 22 of 38 for 280 yards and two touchdowns. Probably better than fine considering he was facing against a a really tough Bears defensive matchup. It kind of came out to 29% DVOA for the game, which is obviously very good. But I would say that his 7.4 yards per attempt would be tied for 15th for the season over a a bigger number of attempts. So I would say, you know, good for, for Blau for having a good game here, but I wouldn't consider him a fantasy option for the time being. You probably can start to rely on Bo Scarborough if you haven't already. He had another nice day here with 21 carries for 83 yards and now has 53 carries over the last three weeks. Um, from a fantasy perspective, he probably has a low ceiling. He has just one total target all season and is in a workload split with Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick, where he's really only getting those early down carries and goal line looks. The goal line looks will buoy his fantasy value. I sort of see him as sort of a, a latter-day Adrian Peterson in terms of value, where the days where he scores touchdowns, he'll be a, a safe running back too, but the days that doesn't come, he could have some really bad days. The bad news for Scarborough and for his owners in the fantasy playoffs is he has a pretty tough slate of games coming up with the Vikings, Buccaneers, and Broncos. The Vikings cut rushing touchdowns per attempt by 66%. The Bucks are neutral for rushing touchdowns, and the Broncos cut rushing touchdowns per attempt by 36%. So Scarborough may not be the ideal option for you in your fantasy playoffs in shallow formats. Meanwhile, also for the Lions, uh, rookie tight end TJ Hawkinson, who's had some some nice uh, games so far this season, he ended up on injured reserve with his lingering ankle injury. I don't really think at this point you're going to want to rely on Jesse James or Logan Thomas in your deeper formats. They sort of split time behind him with 36% and 25% of the snap share this last week. Instead, I would say probably rely more heavily on Danny Amendola, who played 75% of the offensive snaps. And I think you're going to see a little bit more three wide receiver sets for the Lions without their normal best tight end option. 
Next up, we have the Bills at Cowboys. Not a ton of fantasy advice for you in this game. Uh, the one player I'll mention is that Cole Beasley, six catches for 110 yards and a touchdown on seven targets. He's up to 81 targets so far for the season, and that's tied for 25th most at the position. I would say he's sort of in that wide receiver three to four range in PPR formats, but I suspect you probably have already been using him in the leagues where that would be justified. So probably not a ton of advice to offer you there. A little bit more to say in the the night game between the Saints and Falcons, in particular with Jared Cook, three catches for 85 yards on six targets, third most on the team behind Thomas and Kamara, and he's actually averaged 6.5 targets per game since returning from his ankle injury in week 10. That 26.8% of the team's wide receiver and tight end target share since week 10 is sixth most at the position. So I think Cook is back to being the top 10 tight end we thought he was going to be at the start of the season. He really wasn't very heavily involved before that that, uh, ankle injury. But since coming back, he's kind of getting that workload that we always expected. And really no one else outside of Kamara and Thomas has emerged as a real reliable receiving target for the Saints. So I think Cook you can probably rely on uh, even in your shallow formats at this point. For the Falcons, Christian Blake came in to replace Julio Jones and and did pretty decently. Six catches for 57 yards on nine targets. I think he's just sort of a tit-for-tat replacement for Jones, where if Jones misses time, Blake will be in there on the outside. But with Jones expected to play again in Week 14, I think you can leave Blake on your wire, and he's probably not going to get any looks this upcoming week. Uh, Russell Gage probably will get looks. He's, He's been a pretty... Solid replacement for Mohamed Sanu since Sanu got traded to the Patriots, averaging 7.4 targets per game since week eight. But that target share has boosted a little bit over the last two weeks with Austin Hooper out. Gage has actually seen 19 targets and is sort of the premier option in the middle of the field. So I think if Hooper returns in 14, that's going to put a little bit of a dent in Gage's value, and maybe drop him back to the wide receiver four range. So we'll have to see. I think right now Hooper's just a game time call. He's back at practice, so that's an optimistic sign, but There's no telling whether he's going to play again in week 14 or whether it might be another week or two. Meanwhile, if Hooper does miss another game, you could probably start Jaden Graham in a pinch. He had four catches for 41 yards and a touchdown on Thanksgiving, and he played 59% of the team's offensive snaps versus just 29% for Carson Meyer, who was recently promoted from the practice squad because of Hooper's injury and because of Luke Stocker's injury. Again, unclear if if either of those guys, in fact, are going to return this next week. If Graham is sort of the only option they have at tight end, then in your deeper formats, you could maybe rely on him in that spot. Okay, jumping up to Sunday between the 49ers and Ravens game, Raheem Mostart, one of the big waiver wire stories for this week, had 19 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown, as well as two catches for eight yards, and played a shocking 74% of the team's offensive snaps versus just 18% for Tevin Coleman and 9% for Jeff Wilson. I think this is actually a reflection of Kyle Shanahan's belief that Mostart is the better player than Coleman at this point, and it's kind of hard to argue with him on that point. Mostart has 20.5% rushing DVOA for this season, very efficient, whereas Coleman has negative 14.4%, and on I think about 120 carries this season. So you can't really cry small sample here with Coleman. I think he's just performed very poorly this season. And so I think that means that Mostart kind of replaces Coleman as that running back two that, that you've been relying on in your shallower formats, and you can rely on Mostart in that same extent. Definitely pick him up in your shallow formats, and I would spend all of your fab money to grab him if that's an option for you. But the one reason I wouldn't go totally crazy here is because Matt Breda has a pretty decent chance to return in week 14. And so I think that means Mostert is probably going to enter into that sort of workload split that Coleman had with Breda prior to that original injury. So maybe his ceiling is as a running back two and not the running back one he showed last week. But Mostert should still have a lot of value and is also a big contributor in the receiving game. So should have some pretty strong value for your fantasy form, uh, your shallow fantasy leagues. 
Next up, we have the Redskins at Panthers. Darius Geis, huge game here. 10 carries for 129 yards and two touchdowns. But I'll point out, too, that Adrian Peterson also had a huge game, 13 carries for 99 yards and a touchdown. And Peterson actually played more than Geis with 36% of the team's offensive snaps versus 30% for Geis. And even Chris Thompson was involved with 36% of the offensive snaps. For me, this is really mostly about the Panthers' run defense. It's number 31 in DVOA and probably number 32 after this game. They increased rushing touchdowns per attempt by 138%, which is the most in football, by a pretty hefty margin. So this is a great matchup, and both Geis and Peterson took advantage. Now, that being said, Geis has performed much better than Peterson so far this season in terms of efficiency. Geis is up to an 8.9% rushing DVOA, whereas Peterson is negative, negative 5.3%. It wouldn't surprise me if Geis ended up becoming the workhorse back at really any point. Could be this week, could be next year. But for the time being, I'm probably not going to start Geis except in my deeper formats in the short term because he's just not really getting the, the sort of workload share that you would want. He's going to need these matchups where the Redskins are running 30, 30 times or whatever to have really nice fantasy days like this. At receiver, things are a little bit more dire for the Redskins right now um, with, with Paul Richardson still being injured. Rookie Kelvin Harmon has been getting more heavily involved. He played 84% of the offensive snaps this last week, caught three passes for 51 yards um, on a team leading five targets. Probably a, an option for you in your, your deeper formats, although I believe they're playing the, the Packers in Green Bay this next week, so may not be a great option for you for your fantasy playoffs right now. Meanwhile, Trey Quinn also suffered a concussion this week, and that led to a third rookie wide receiver for the Redskins, Steven Sims, entering the lineup. He ended up playing 58% of the offensive snaps with Quinn out. And I guess in your deeper formats, you could rely on Sims uh, as a slot receiver, maybe in your deeper PPR formats. Although again, with like Harmon, I'm probably not going to want to rely on him except in very deep formats. Meanwhile, for the Panthers, also a concussion kind of entered the mix here. Greg Olson suffered one. And that led Ian Thomas to having four catches for 24 yards on four targets. Thomas actually averaged 6.4 targets per game last December after Olsen broke his foot. So I think Thompson could be a back-end tight end two for you for a week or so, depending on how long Olsen ends up missing with this concussion. So if you need a streaming option at the position, Thomas may be one, and there's probably not a lot of other good ones right now at tight end. Next up for Jets and Bengals, speaking of tight ends, Ryan Griffin continued to see a lot of work had seven targets in this game, just produced 30 yards on five targets. But he's averaged 54 yards and 0.8 touchdowns per game in his last five games without Chris Herndon. So I think at this point, he's a pretty safe tight end too. And if he's still available in your formats, even in your shallow ones, go ahead and pick him up. Feel free to rely on him. Now for the Bengals, Andy Dalton back at starting quarterback. Didn't have a great fantasy day, 22 of 37 for 243 yards and a touchdown. But He'll be safer than Ryan Finley, and I think he'll buoy the production of his fantasy receivers more than Finley did. I don't know when A.J. Green's going to come back. Still no clarity on when or if he'll play this season, but John Ross is actually going to return this week from injured reserve. He's been practicing for several weeks, so I think it's safe to say he's going to be fully healthy and ready to go. If you forgot, Ross actually had a really nice start to this season. He had 32 targets, 328 yards, and three touchdowns in his first four weeks. And he had a 3.9% receiving DVOA versus negative 14.4% for Alden Tate this season. I expect Ross to go straight back into the lineup taking Tate's job, and I think that's justifiable. In your deeper formats, go ahead and pick up Ross. And even in your shallow formats, if you maybe want to see if Ross does well this week, maybe be able to play him uh, in your second and third weeks of the fantasy playoffs, by all means, pick him up. Next up, we have the Titans at Colts. Uh, For the Titans, Derrick Henry, not a lot of fantasy advice for you here. I mean, obviously, in your redraft leagues, you're playing Henry every week, but just another huge day, 26 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown, as well as three catches for 17 yards. 
And just something that I noticed over the last couple of years, in September and October, he's averaging 15.7 carries for 57 yards and 0.4 touchdowns per game. But in November and December, those numbers are boosting up to 16.3, 104 yards, and 1.3 touchdowns per game. I mean, Henry's basically been a top five running back the last two Novembers and Decembers. I don't really know if that's something that's necessarily sustainable. There's nothing obvious as to why that would be the case other than you know, like the Titans seem to be relying on him a little bit more. But it, again, it's not much more. It's it's only half a, a carry more per game. The efficiency numbers are just skyrocketing. Maybe defenses are getting fatigued or whatever. But whatever the reason, I'm definitely eagerly relying on Henry in my fantasy formats and going to rely on him heavily in DFS this December. Uh, it's a little bit harder to make sense of what's going on with the Titans receivers. They didn't have any receiver with more than four targets or three catches on Sunday. And, you know, even with Delaney Walker out for the year right now, Jonu Smith's workload has really decreased of late, so I don't think you can rely on him. A.J. Brown is probably the closest thing to the Titans receiver that you could start in fantasy right now, but I think it would have to be a pretty deep league for that. Uh, for the Colts, just when you thought Jonathan Williams may be a safe running back to start in your shallow formats, Jordan Wilkins ends up coming in for him. I mean, Williams, I guess, got benched. Wilkins ended up with 11 carries for 47 yards and two catches for nine yards, while Williams finished with eight for 14. Frank Reich didn't really give a definitive answer on why he benched Williams. It was kind of the like riding the hot hand sort of situation. And I think that's going to probably make this a pretty frustrating fantasy situation to sort out. Right now, both Wilkins and Williams deserve to play. I mean, Wilkins has a 22.3% rushing DVOA this year. Williams has 9.2%. So both very efficient on a pretty small number of, of carries so far this season. You know, unless you're in a deeper format where you need every running back, the thing to do is probably just avoid this situation for the time being. And if Marlon Mack ends up coming back in a couple of weeks, then you can probably safely rely on him. But with Wilkins and Williams, I can't really tell you right now who I think is going to carry the ball more, even this Sunday. At wide receiver, the Colts continue to deal with just a huge number of injuries. Chester Rogers joined the list of, of receivers out. He fractured his knee and is going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, they announced that Devin Funches isn't going to come back from injured reserve. His uh, collarbone just never healed properly, so still waiting on that, and he's not going to play this season. Between Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton, I think Campbell is the more likely to player to return in Week 14, but neither player is a given right now, and that's going to leave Zach Pascal and Marcus Johnson as sort of the number one and number two wide receivers uh, in Week 14. And, I mean, that really matters. I mean, they're playing the Buccaneers, a team that's bottom third in football in DVOA against both number one and number two outside receivers. Both of these players could have a really nice week. Pascal actually had a really nice week last week, catching seven passes for 109 yards on 10 targets. That led the team's wide receivers by four. I think you can probably rely on Pascal as a flex option in your shallow formats this week. But then again, Johnson, four catches for 55 yards last week on six targets. He played 93% of the team's offensive snaps last week versus 57% for Ashton Doolin. So I think if uh, Campbell ends up sitting two and Hilton both, then I think Johnson is a player that's going to probably be on the field a lot and will probably get a little bit of work. Of course, if I'm only going to start one Colts receiver, it's it's honestly going to be Jack Doyle at this point. He had six catches for 73 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets, which led the team. And after being in that frustrating timeshare with Eric Ebron all season, now with Ebron out for the year, Doyle's offensive snap share jumped up to 94%. I think he's definitely a top 10 tight end option for the rest of the fantasy season, probably top eight. And if he's available in your formats, he's the one tight end that you can grab that's going to definitely be a difference maker. So go after him and spend your fab as necessary to make sure you get him. Next up, we have the Eagles at Dolphins. Uh, Miles Sanders with Jordan Howard still out. Had a really nice day, 17 carries for 83 yards, five catches for 22 yards and a touchdown. He's basically been the workhorse back um, ever since 
Jordan Howard went out. He played 87% of the offensive snaps this week, just 13% for Jay Ajayi and 0% for Boston Scott. He was reserved for special teams. And so if Howard ends up missing more time, I think you can sort of rely on Sanders as a workhorse back and as a top 15 option, obviously a big contributor in the receiving game, which boosts his fantasy value there. But Howard, I feel like is probably a 50-50 at this point to play uh, in week 14. And one of the frustrating things with that is that he's actually going to be playing on Monday night at home against the Giants. So if you're in your fantasy playoffs and you want to rely on Sanders as a, as a running back too, it may be a little bit of a risk because if Howard ends up coming back and we don't know that uh, going into Sunday's games, then you could end up getting a lot less out of Sanders than you really want to. So play it safe in that regard if you have some other options. But if not, Sanders may be a flyer that can really help you out. And meanwhile, for the Dolphins, uh, Kalen Balaj ended up injuring his Achilles on Sunday. He left the game. It's not known whether he's going to miss one week, the rest of the season, or what. We just don't know yet. Uh, but that being said, I think you could probably go ahead and pick up Patrick Laird in your in your shallower formats. Uh, he only carried the ball for five yards on 10 carries last week, but he did catch four passes for 43 yards. And I think between he and Miles Gaskin, he's going to be a lot more involved in the passing game. He was certainly on the field a lot more than Gaskin, playing 60% of the offensive snaps versus just 22% for Gaskin on Sunday. That said, even with that low volume of offensive snaps, I, I kind of think Gaskin is going to be the, the power back. He's not really that big, but I think he's probably going to get more of those inside carries, probably carry the ball more frequently than when he's on the field than Laird will, and he'll probably get the goal line work. And as such, I could sort of see this split playing out a little bit like the Drake and Balaj split from earlier in the year, where Laird is more the receiving option like Drake and has more fantasy value like Drake. But if Gaskin is scoring some touchdowns and getting a little bit more carry uh, carries, he may have some fantasy value in deeper formats as well. So in your deeper leagues, pick up both of these guys. But in shadow leagues, I think it's, it's worth picking up Laird right now. At receiver, Devontae Parker, another monster day here. Seven catches for 159 yards and two touchdowns on 10 targets. Since week seven, he has 40 catches, 625 yards, and four touchdowns. That puts him on a full season pace of 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns. And since week seven, that's, he has the third most fantasy points at the position. At this point, his, his ownership percentages have steadily been climbing, but in your shallower leagues, if he's still available, obviously pick him up and feel free to start him in your fantasy playoffs. With Ryan Fitzpatrick in at quarterback, Parker is a true wide receiver one, if, if not two. I mean, he's, he's just been excellent. In the meanwhile, Fitzpatrick has also boosted the value of Mike Gesicki, the tight end. He had one of his few good fantasy days of the season with five catches and 79 yards and a touchdown on Sunday, but he's had six or seven targets in five straight games, and that suggests to me that he may start to become a little bit more consistent of a fantasy producer in this offense with Fitzpatrick playing as well as he is. Next up, we have Packers at Giants. Got a little bit of snow in this game, which was exciting. Uh, Alan Lazard had three catches for 103 yards and a touchdown, so good fantasy day, but the just three targets suggests to me that that's going to be a little bit hit and miss. Uh, right now, uh, Devontae Adams is really the only receiver I think you can confidently start in this offense. Behind him, Lazard played 55% of the offensive snaps, Geronimo Allison played 63%, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling played 27%. So it's it's a pretty split workload there behind Adams, and I would leave all of them on your benches right now if you have the option to do so. Uh, for the Giants, Darius Slayton has become a little bit safer to me in my mind. He had six catches for 44 yards on nine targets, which led the team. And he's had 32 targets over the last three weeks, so a very healthy number. The major thing to consider here is whether um, Slayton is going to see those numbers decline when both Shepard and Tate are back on the field. Sterling Shepard has actually played now the last couple of weeks, but Golden Tate suffered a concussion two weeks ago and ended up missing this last week. 
I think in week 14, all three are going to be playing together really for the first time so far this season. But that said, I actually still think Slayton is going to play a lot. He played 94% of the offensive snaps, while Shepard was also on the field for 85% of the snaps. Uh, And it was really Cody Latimer that was sort of that slot receiver replacement for Tayton this week. Um, So I I think that Slayton's going to stay on the field with both of those other guys. And really, Slayton is the one that brings something different to the table than either Shepard or Tate. He has a 13.0 yard average depth of target this season versus 9.4 for Shepard and 8.3 for Tate. So really, it's Shepard and Tate that are sort of working the same shallow and intermediate zones of the field, whereas Slayton stretches the field in a way that no one else on the team can, at least until Evan Ingram returns. So I'll say that I think Slayton is actually going to be a pretty safe option for you as sort of a wide receiver three or four even after both of these guys return. So even in your shallower formats, I would keep Slayton uh, on your teams, and you could potentially even start him some in your fantasy playoffs. And then speaking of Evan Ingram, he continues to miss time with a foot injury. It's unclear whether he's going to return for week 14 or when he's going to return. And if he does miss some more time, I think Caden Smith is becoming an option for you, maybe as a back-end tight end too. He had six catches for 70 yards in this game on eight targets. And he's been getting a little bit more involved of late with Ingram out. Maybe just somebody you can replace for as long as Ingram misses time. Next up, we have the Browns and Steelers. Uh, Kareem Hunt, seven carries for 46 yards and five catches for 19 yards and a touchdown on six targets. He's averaged 11.3 touches per game and 6.3 targets per game since his return from his early season suspension. And so even though uh, he's clearly the number two running back uh, behind Nick Chubb, I think his involvement in the passing game means that he's definitely a flex consideration in your shallower PPR formats, somebody that I'm happy to rely on in the fantasy playoffs, even as sort of a second banana. Uh, Meanwhile, for the Steelers, Benny Snell, 16 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown. He took 16 of the team's 27 running back carries and has 37 carries the last two weeks. I think it's pretty clear at this point that he is the primary early down option for the Steelers. So you can start him as an RB2 as long as James Conner's out. Then the question becomes, when is James Conner going to return from his shoulder injury? And I, I really don't know at this point. Mike Tomlin said that both he and Juju Smith-Schuster are questionable for Week 14, so we'll just kind of have to wait and, and follow the news in that respect. But for the time being, I'm willing to spend a pretty good amount of fab money to pick up Snell with the idea that he may be a, an option for you in your fantasy playoffs at least for one more week. And with Juju Smith-Schuster out, I think James Washington is another player you can start, at least in your deeper formats. He hasn't been seeing a ton of work necessarily. He's averaged 5.4 targets per game over the last five games, but he's been very efficient on that on those smaller number of targets with 83 yards and 0.6 touchdowns per game over those last five games. If Smith-Schuster misses more time, I think Washington is somebody you can rely on in those deeper formats. And then if you want to get a little bit crazy with me and you want to flyer for your first week of your fantasy playoffs in week 14, maybe take a gamble on tight end Vance McDonald. Since Ben Roethlisberger went down, McDonald has been just kind of a non-factor in fantasy this season. But this week, he draws the Cardinals matchup that is just clearly the best matchup in football for tight ends. They have the number 32 DVOA against the position, and they allow 78 yards per game to the position. And just to give you an idea, over the last three weeks, they allowed O.J. Howard to catch four balls for 47 yards and a touchdown on seven targets. They allowed Ross Dwelly, in for an injured George Kittle, to catch four passes for 14 yards and two touchdowns on five targets. And then last week, they allowed Tyler Higby, playing for an injured Gerald Everett, to catch six, seven balls for 107 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. All three of those players produced their season high in targets against uh, the Cardinals, and all three scored. So I, I think this is a situation where even though you wouldn't normally think about McDonald in your shallower formats, he may be an option for you kind of in that 10 to 14 range of the position. You know, come back to my Thursday podcast, and I'll give you specifics 
on where he ranks. But I think McDonald is a guy that you may consider picking up right now if he's available in your shallower formats and you don't have one of the elite options at the position. Next up, we have the Buccaneers at Jaguars. Uh, Ronald Jones, major disappointment here. Six carries for eight yards, no targets. He ended up getting benched because, according to Bruce Arians, he missed a critical blitz pickup that ended up in a strip sack for Jameis Winston. So, I mean, this is a situation where his pass blocking may be really holding him back. He's clearly been the better runner than Peyton Barber. 1.6% rushing DVOA versus negative 22% for Barber, but that pass protection cost him in this this game. I mean, Barber ended up with two touchdowns that, that could have been Jones's. Uh, so, tough break there, and, and right now I don't think I really want to start Jones in my shallower formats. Uh, for the Jaguars, the big news here is that they benched Nick Foles during Sunday's game, and then they've subsequently announced that Gardner Minshew is going to be the starter for the rest of the season. I mean, that's really what I think most of us wanted in the first place, especially fantasy owners, because Minshew has been much better in fantasy so far this season, averaging 16.3 fantasy points per game versus 9.9 for Nick Foles. And Minshew has been a real key, I think, to DJ Chark's fantasy value, which is probably the most significant of of the fantasy-related implications for the Jaguars. That said, I think Minshew is definitely worth a pickup in your deeper formats. He has a very attractive fantasy playoff schedule. This week, he's at home facing the Chargers. The Chargers are neutral for passing touchdowns per attempt. But then he goes on the road to the Raiders and Falcons in weeks 15 and 16. And the Raiders increase passing touchdowns per attempt by 42%. That's the second most in football. The Falcons increase them by 33%. That's the fifth most in football. So if you need some epic quarterback or you want to play some matchups in your deeper formats, go ahead and pick Minshew up. I think he's a good option for you in the fantasy playoffs. Next up, we have the Rams at Cardinals. Robert Woods, huge game here, 13 catches for 172 yards on 19 targets, which led the team by 11. He's actually had nine or more targets and 90 or more yards in three consecutive games. So I think he's back to being a pretty safe wide receiver three after his early season struggles. Good to see, although I don't think he got dropped in too many leagues, so you probably aren't going to be able to pick him up in redraft. Maybe be able to play him in DFS as an option against his better playoff matchups. And with Tyler Higby, I already kind of mentioned this previously, but his seven catches and 107 yards and touchdown, probably greatly influenced by the Cardinals matchup in their number 32 DVOA defense against tight ends. I'm going to leave him on the waiver wire in your shallower formats and just chase other players like McDonald that are playing the Cardinals. I doubt Higby is going to be a tight end too over the rest of the season, however much time Everett ends up missing with his knee injury. Uh, for the Cardinals, Kenya Drake had 13 carries for 31 yards and two catches for 20 yards on five targets, whereas David Johnson had just four for 15 on the ground and two for nine in the air. Uh, Drake played 80% of the offensive snaps versus 23% for Johnson. Chase Edmonds was active but didn't play in this game. So I think that added a little bit of clarity to what could have been a really murky backfield situation. And I think at this point, you're happy to play Drake, and then you're not playing either Johnson and definitely not playing Edmonds in your shallower formats right now. Next up, we have the Chargers at Broncos. Phillip Rivers, uh, much better than the previous two games, 20 of 29 for 265 yards and two touchdowns. But Ed still didn't really manifest as a great day in DVOA. In week 10, he had negative 54.2% DVOA. Week 11, negative 16.3%. And this last week, negative 11.1%. Meanwhile, a lot of this yardage that Rivers threw for either came on bloom coverages where players were just wide open or he was kind of just throwing jump balls up that Mike Williams was coming down with because Mike Williams is ridiculous. So at this point, I don't think I'm confident that Rivers has turned the corner from his his current slump, so to speak. So I, I really would want to look elsewhere in the fantasy playoffs unless he, he shows more signs that he's turning things around. He just seems like a really dangerous player to play in fantasy right now. 
And meanwhile, for the Broncos, Drew Locke made his career debut here. The rookie went 18 for 28 for 134 yards and two touchdowns and an interception. So obviously not a huge, uh, efficient day in terms of, of yards per attempt. Uh, he ended up with negative 12.1% passing DVOA. Obviously also not great, but hilariously, it is the best for a Broncos quarterback this season. So at the very least, I think this is going to earn Locke some extra time to get in the work and maybe prove whether or not he can be a franchise quarterback for the Broncos. He actually made some really nice throws in this game, so I, I don't want to be too critical. I think the Chargers defense may be much improved now that they're getting healthy um, and, and have Derwin James back in the lineup. So it'll be interesting to see how Locke does over the rest of the season. At least in your dynasty formats, I think he's worth owning. Next up, we have the Raiders at Chiefs. Uh, Tyrell Williams disappointing here, one catch for nine yards on four targets. He's actually had three or fewer receptions in seven of his last eight games after having 11 total in weeks one and two. He also, I think, had five touchdowns in his first five weeks and hasn't scored since. So I think there was some sort of early season um, mirage that Williams was going to be a wide receiver too. I definitely fell for it. I just, at this point, I don't think that's justifiable. And even in your shallow leagues, I think you can probably drop him. It would take more than I think he could do in one week to give you the confidence to start him even at the back end of the fantasy playoffs. Uh, For the Chiefs, some big injury news here. Darrell Williams ended, ended up injuring his hamstring. Based on Football Outsiders' Andrew Potter's research, he suggests most running backs that injure a hamstring miss at least one week, although 75% turn, return within three weeks. So maybe looking at a one to three week absence here for Williams. Um, but while he's out, I think Darwin Thompson is going to potentially be a really nice fantasy addition for you. He's actually my favorite player to add in fantasy more even than Raheem Mostart because I think he has the highest, highest ceiling to, to help you out in the fantasy playoffs. With Williams out and with uh, Damian Williams already missing that game because of a rib injury, Thompson ended up playing 36% of the offensive snaps, the same percentage as LaShawn McCoy, and he had 11 carries for 44 yards and a touchdown, uh, five more carries than McCoy took. Thompson, I think, is just an unbelievable prospect. He's a guy that had tremendous rushing and receiving efficiency at Utah State in his one year there in college. I think he's kind of an overlooked gem in the draft who fell to the sixth round because of his probably his lack of pedigree. But I think he's a really talented player who can make an impact as both a rusher and receiver for the Chiefs if he gets the opportunity. Meanwhile, Andy Reid uh, sort of suggested that Thompson could play a bigger role for the team in Week 14 against the Patriots. And so I would say that if, if both of the Williamses ended up being inactive, I would frankly start Thompson with confidence next week, sort of see him as sort of a flex option, a guy that's probably going to contribute as both a runner and a receiver and may even have sort of the, the primary goal line work um, in front of LaShawn McCoy. So definitely a guy you want to pick up in your shallower formats and in your dynasty and keeper leagues, absolutely spend everything you can to make sure you get him on your team. I think he's going to be a very valuable player in fantasy for years to come. And then obviously, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough matchup for the Chiefs next week against the Patriots. Tyree Kill, though, I think you're going to be comfortable starting him. After that hamstring injury before the team's Week 12 bye, he came back here and looked fine. He had five catches for 55 yards on eight targets, showed no ill effects from the injury. I think he's back to being an every-week wide receiver one. Speaking of those Patriots, they play the Texans on Sunday Night Football. Uh, rookie Inkill Harry had no catches on just one target. And it seemed like he got benched because he allowed Bradley Roby to intercept a pass that he didn't really fight for. But Bill Belichick denied that was the reason and instead cited that you know having all five of their receivers healthy for the first time together impacted Harry's playing time. But whatever the reason is, I think at this point you can probably drop Harry in your shallower formats. He played just 25% of the offensive snaps versus 71% for Philip Dorsett, 70% for Jacoby Myers. Meanwhile, Mohamed Sanu played just 22%, probably still limited a bit from his ankle injury that he suffered the previous week. So 
you know, I, I don't really see how Harry's outlook is going to improve in a in the short term. I think you can probably let him go in your shallower formats. And then Will Fuller kind of showing you what the Patriots defense can do to your outside receivers here. Had just one catch for eight yards on two targets. Uh, the Patriots entered the week as the number one DVA defense uh, against number two receivers, limiting them to just 40 yards per game. That's probably why it's going to be a tough day for the, the Chiefs secondary receivers. Although, again, I think Tyreek Hill, you're going to start no matter what. And then finally, the Monday night game between the Vikings and Seahawks. Alexander Madison, four carries for 22 yards and four catches for 51 yards, playing a little bit in relief of Dalvin Cook, who injured his shoulder. Although it sounds like Cook has avoided a serious shoulder injury. And so I think that means Cook is likely to play in week 14. And that sort of shoots Madison back to being just a a handcuff in your shallower format. I mean, if you own Cook and you want to protect yourself, by all means, make sure you have Madison as the handcuff. But you're not going to be able to, to start Madison in fantasy in week 14, at least in your shallower formats. And then Adam Thielen, he didn't play on Monday night either. Still unclear if he's going to return in week 14, but definitely deserves to still be owned in your shallower formats to see. And then for the Seahawks, Rashad Penny. You know, I thought that maybe after Chris Carson's multiple more fumbles the previous week that Penny would take over here. He didn't take over, but he got a little bit more involved than he had been. He played 47% of the offensive snaps versus 52% for Carson and had 15 carries for 74 yards and a touchdown and four catches for 33 yards and a touchdown on five targets compared to 23 carries for 102 yards and a touchdown for Carson and one catch for seven yards on a target. So almost a 50-50 workload split here. Although Carson was still the, the starter, and I think that it may be the case that Penny saw his, his workload increase because it was just such a huge volume of running back work in this game. I mean, they had 39 carries uh, for the running backs for, this, for the Seahawks, probably trying to take advantage of a relative uh, matchup with the Vikings. Uh, but, you know, good to see Penny more involved in the passing game than he ever had been. In fact, he had just five targets all season during the week and then had five targets this week. So Penny definitely deserves to be owned in your shallower formats to see how this plays out. But I'm, I'm probably not going to be starting him in confidence in the fantasy playoffs, at least in the short term. Uh, but Jacob Hollister, I definitely am starting. He didn't score a touchdown this week, but had six catches for 44 yards on eight targets. He's actually seen his wide receiver and tight end target share bump since week 10 to 31%. That's the second most of the position. So I think Hollister is pretty unimpeachably a top 10 option at the position right now. And he draws that Cardinals matchup that you really want in week 16 in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, that'll be the championship game uh, for most formats. So for even in your shallow leagues, absolutely pick up Hollister. And if you just want to try to make some moves to prepare yourself, if you can make the, that championship game, Hollister could be a really great option for you that one week. Okay, that's going to do it for this Tuesday's episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. We're available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. So please subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already. And then come back in two days to hear my thoughts on the best and worst matchups for Week 14. Obviously some critical ones for for those of you that are in the fantasy playoffs. Thanks so much, and I will talk to everybody then. That's right.